Hi, and welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. I'm Chris Dixon. And I'm Sarah Hendricks. And we have such a fun conversation with Alan Jones, the CEO and founder of Bambi. Can you, like, Chris, let's think about this for a second, because not only is Bambi innovating the HR practices, making it easier for small businesses or really businesses of any size to have affordable HR opportunities, but Alan was just a really cool dude to talk to. Yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation with him. And, you know, he on the fly was able to start picking up on what we teach and our framework and tie it back to his business and the way he has found success as an entrepreneur and just a really great story. And he has some really dope core values. Yeah, which again, he was able to identify on On the fly. fly. (laughs) Well, we won't hold this up. Have a listen to Alan Jones. So welcome, Alan, to the One Thing Podcast. Today, we're lucky to have Alan Jones with us. And Alan is the CEO and founder of Bambi, a business built on the premise that every small business should have a dedicated HR manager. And this is a concept derived from Alan's previous experience as a professional and his life experiences. Alan, thanks so much for being here. Hi, Alan. What's up, guys? Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Pleasure. Of course. Alan, before we we jump into Bambi and and get to understand what you guys are getting after, do you mind giving us a little background on on you and you know what brought you here today? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'll give you the short version. And this is, this is a 60-minute podcast. So the uh, let's start with the thing that everyone always brings up when they meet me for an interview. I'm a college dropout. Um, I took, you know, I spent about a semester is really putting it gracefully. Uh, I spent, you know, half a semester actually going to class. The other half of the semester hiding the fact that I wasn't going for my parents. Um, and, uh, you know, that, the, the crescendo of that was an accidental mailed home transcript for the wrong Alan Jones. Right? <laughs> that, I, that I did not request um, accidentally sent to my, my house. Um, which revealed everything. It revealed that I wasn't going to class. I had withdrawn from a bunch of classes, and um, you know my average score was a C minus. Um, so you know, student of the universe, but not not necessarily a student at Chafee College. Um, I you know I think I, I went on to 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 just look. I think dropping out of college one of the best things that ever happened to me. My dad's a small business owner. My mom's a small business owner. Um, I was raised in a family of matriarchs, raised by my grandmother on both sides. Both of those women were small business owners. You know, um, Kareen Jones ran a dress store in Long Beach, California. Mary Lou Alexander ran a childcare center um, in Linwood, California. And so um, I grew up watching super strong women building companies, paving their own and paving their own paths. Um, supporting families that were actually larger than the average today. Seven children on one side, six children on the other, 25 grandchildren among them on both sides. Um, and, you know, and so big family and somehow they did it. Um, you know, somehow they were able to, it's, not only did they do it financially, you know, they, they did it while teaching us, I think, the right moral direction of how we should make decisions on the planet um, and what hard work looked like and like how you do all those things in tandem um, while running a small business uh, and being the only kind of 
you know, the only two people who were the, the breadwinners is crazy to me. So when I think about the reason this context is somewhat important is like, I rarely, I think when I have these interviews and these conversations, I, it, it allows me to think about authentically, like what has shaped me? Cause we don't always spend time thinking about that. We're moving around and going to the gym and working hard, reading books. But in moments like this, you know, when I think about my work ethic, it comes from, from those two folks. Um, I ultimately went on to, uh, to land a job in tech as 19, um, as a QA analyst and a pretty fast rise from there. So I was a QA analyst at a company called Helio, which is a $750 million and joint venture um, between SK Telecom and Earthlink back in the early 2000s. Went on to be a product manager at a company called Reunion.com. Um, for those of us that are old enough, man, I'm 35. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it is true. For those of us that are old enough, Reunion was a competitor to classmates before Facebook. I know. Yeah, there was a time. There was a time. Facebook. Yes, there was. There was we, a time. we are old enough to understand that, unfortunately. It really is unfortunate that <laughs> 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 this much time has passed. Anyways, you know, I went on to be a product manager um, and I loved product. I, I realized it was a space where you could create, when I found out that you could create an idea, you know, you could think about a thing, realize that thing didn't exist. And within like four months, make the thing exist, right? Like the, the genius and the magic of product and software and, and, you know, the magic of the internet at, at that time, I was, I felt like Harry Potter, right? That felt like magic to me. So I left from reunion.com and loved product. And I landed a head of product job at a company called DocStock, HR tech company focused on small businesses, um, which ultimately got acquired by Intuit. So I also had my first exit at the time I was 21. I then uh, decided I was going to go out and start my own company, raise a couple million dollars for a men's subscription clothing company, um, similar to Trunk Club. I won't tell you the name of my company because we didn't have an exit. And so it's not that important, but I learned a lot. <laughs> That's the important uh, thing. Yes. That part's important. I learned a lot. And so I raised a couple million dollars, learned how to be a really a chief operator of an organization. At the time I was 23. Um, and then ultimately went on to be the chief marketing officer at a company called ZipRecruiter. Um, What's when that? I learned, I'm just kidding. Like, I was totally <laughs> kidding. <laughs> So it's funny is before I joined the company, everyone said that. Everyone said, what's that? You know, there were 20 people at the company. It was bootstrapped. They've been around for six years. Um, and, you know, and, and, uh, and they hadn't raised the dime of venture capital. And so here comes hungry Alan Jones, really hungry after not seeing my first tech company go the way I wanted. I was starving, ravishing for a win. Um, and so I took the job of chief marketing officer there and I ran really marketing, new products and services, customer success, account management, most of the revenue functions inside of the organization, built the company to about 500 and raised $63 million in my first year there, led the company to the path of $100 million my last year there. And then, you know, I've been gone now for six years with Bambi, but ZipRecruiter went on to go public for about three, about $3.5 billion in the New York Stock Exchange. Um, and so six years ago, I decided I was going to go and do it again. Um, I've seen enough problems in the small business space. And honestly, I wanted to create. And so I, I, I love ZipRecruiter to found Bambi. But that's the story. 
I I would call that zip recruiter win. I know you were looking for a win. It was it was a win. Yeah, I would call I, that a win. I think that checks the win box. You know, Alan, hearing about your amazing badass family and the people that you got to learn and grow from, did you develop your own set of core values? over that time period. So as our listeners know, we have our top three core values and we go through this amazing exercise where we establish, you know, what what your purpose is through your core values. And I'd be so curious what yours are. Yeah. You know, I think um, it's a really good question. I actually think that I think a few things are true. I think when you're early in your life and career, call it your early 20s, you, you, you do have your core values, but you don't actually know what they are yet. You just kind of live in them um, kind of intrinsically because of your upbringing. And over time, you learn to appreciate and define them. And so I think that's kind of part one. Part two is I think they, they change over time too. And, or at least they evolve and broaden, but maybe they stay at their nucleus the same. But the way that you apply them to the world around you starts to change as you see themes and patterns where they can be applied like oh you know i'll give you an example you know and i i I thought that i thought i was a different person in and out of work and what i've learned is that takes a tremendous amount of capacity to have to switch between two different people and that is capacity that can be leveraged just being you um versus being you know switching between these two personas Anyways, I think that's some context before the answer. Yeah, I, yeah. And my core values are are as follows. Um, one of them is that your superpower lives inside of your authenticity. Um, Sorry, I got so excited. My number one core value is actually authenticity, so I'm already on board. <laughs> Kindred spirits. Yes. Uh, but I think you know, there's a and I'll. I'll <laughs> I, I'll tell you how I know that for certain. When I first, you know, took my first product job, um, I would show up. I felt extremely insecure because I was the only person around the table with no degree. I was the only product person around the table with no degree. Degree. I had the least amount of experience of anyone else in these rooms with me. Um, and you know, I just by way of background, I'm African American, Latino, and gay. And so I showed up with all of that. And. I spent so much intellectual capacity thinking about how I should blend in with the people around me that it was robbing me from being creative in the sessions with my peers. Only when I decided that, like, you know what, I wasn't going to wear a blue, uh, you know, a blue button up. Right? Everybody else could wear blue button ups. I wasn't going to wear a blue button up. I was going to wear my t-shirt. And you know what? Everyone else is wearing, you know, fancy dress shoes. I was going to wear my sneakers. And that was a breakthrough for me, you know, at 20, 20 years old, because what it meant was I had decided that being comfortable in my own skin was the key to my own creativity. You know, so core value one is that your superpower actually lives in your, crea- in your authenticity. It is inside of it. Until you access it, you are not a superhero yet, but you can be. You just got to be yourself. I think the second is... Figure out a way to tell the truth. <laughs> the reason I say figure out a way, people are listening. They're like, what do you mean? Liar? Just say what is true. No. <laughs> sometimes, no, sometimes the truth is hard, right? And 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 sometimes the you know the right answer 
the, the truth sometimes is also hurtful. And so it is our job as good humans to think about and tell the truth in business and in our personal lives in ways that are impactful, but not hurtful. And that takes work internally. You have to do some work there. You know, there are people walking around this earth that are like, oh, you know, I'm just blunt. That's why I make everybody uncomfortable. No, no, you're just an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) You're just an asshole. You, You know, just because you want to tell the truth doesn't mean that you have the right to force other people to do the work of processing your truth. Process your own truth. Say it in a way that is helpful and productive. And then you can create less disruption in the world around you while still having massive impact. That's the second. The third and the last one is be a thoughtful optimist. You know, um, why do I say thoughtful optimist versus just be optimistic? Well, uh, everything isn't just going to fix itself. But everything can be fixed, you know, and the distinction there is important, which is like, oh, man, you know, my toilet is really leaky. Oh, well, you know what? It'll stop leaking. No, it won't. No, it's not going to stop. It's going <laughs> to leak. But, you, but it can stop, right? You can fix it. And so, you know, when I think about whether it be my personal life with my partner my, you know, my yoga practice or um, how I operate the business at large, everything is fixable. Things can progress with a little bit of thought and a little bit of optimism, but they don't fix themselves. I'd say those are my core values. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Well, I'm, I'm interested when you talk about all three are really great, by the yeah. way. And, and thoughtful optimism ties a lot to the way I interpret it in prioritization. And, you know, because you're, you're saying you, you can be optimistic about everything, but you need to be thoughtful about the things that you, you want to prioritize or the things that matter most to you. And I'm curious, like, how do you prioritize in, in, personal life and business since you know we we both agree and all three of us agree that your values live across the whole person. So how do you manage priority when you have so many competing priorities? Oh man, that is a doozy of a question. <laughs> <laughs> he asked the tough stuff and I asked the fun stuff. <laughs> um so let, let's actually break these two things apart. Let's you know let's talk about first prioritization in your personal life. And then if we want to, we can come back to prioritization in your business life. But I, I do think there's a different framework. Sure. Um, um, and I, in my personal life, my, my boyfriend and I have this argument a lot um, because he has 20 best friends. 
right? And so every weekend, there's like a kid party, right? right? One of his best friends had a new kid and he wants to go to the party. And I'm like, babe, you, you got to shoot. Which ones are your, which ones are like, you know, your rider dies? Like that way I can make sure to create space. I always go to those parties. But if all 20 are your rider dies, I'm going to have to just generically tap out to all those events because you're not helping me prioritize. Um, he still hasn't bought into that concept yet. Um, I can relate to what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Who's the culprit? Is it you or your partner who who can't prioritize that aspect? Oh, it's uh, it's just my fiance and and you know the kid parties part is uh <laughs> it's a similar uh, but understandable challenge. Yeah, until children can restate memories to me, then I won't be attending any of those parties because you won't know that I was there. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so it, all, all that to say, I think that's a good analogy to how I think about prioritization in my personal life. Um, I do a couple specific things. First, I'm just going to go at random lists. I create tremendous lists. Like I'm a list writer. I write everything down. Um, and, and then I cross things off the list and then I fill the list back up every day throughout the day at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. Um, I do that on the weekends. I have whiteboards on my walls in my den and, um, and there's, you know, and, and so that one helps me prioritize, at least helps me understand what it actually helps me to do is get things out of my head yeah. so that my head can be free space. Can I ask you um, about the, the list before you, you go past yeah. that example? When yeah. you, when you see a list in there that say you've, you've got like 50 things on it, do you do anything to draw out or separate out the higher priority from, from the noise, like the easy low hanging fruit tasks that you just want to check off or... Do you find a way to just say, you know, this this is a bigger, higher priority, higher ROI thing on my list? Yes. I, I'm going to give some advice. I don't know that anybody should follow it. It <laughs> works for me. I, um, I do the easy stuff first. And so I, I write a list down and I go after the easiest ones first and not the most valuable ones. And this is in my personal life right? Not in business. And the reason I do that and is because it creates psychological momentum that, and I get to ride that psychological momentum and it builds so that I feel confident doing the bigger stuff. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I feel accomplished. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. I, I, in my personal life also start with the easy stuff because it's like, I got to book a reservation or I've got to buy a birthday present for someone. And once I accomplish those things, then I can start to focus my energy on something that needs more attention. And normally that's work, right? Like it's it's the small, easy wins in my personal life that help build into where I need to go. That's in, I, like I want to say and that it, I do something different in my personal life because I, I have that you know, inverse belief on prioritization, but I think I do the same as you. I think I go more often for the momentum uh, on those things. And that's really interesting. But I'm totally different in business. Like, Mm. so prioritization for us, like you got to go for the 20% and you're really focused on the high value, um, to your point, uh, Alan, like the high value priorities and you're really chipping away at those first. You do your one thing until you can move on to the next one thing. But... 
Yeah, it's different. It's just different. It's flip-flopped in hmm. business. Sorry, we still yeah, have we there. Still, yeah. <laughs> We're just no, agreeing we with you. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so one of them is the list. The, the other one in priority is, uh, is uh, reminding myself that I come first, that I am first. Um, what does that mean? Well, there were always, I mean, how old are you guys? Are we all in our thirties here? Yeah. I'm about to be 40. Hey, oh, thank God. I, I, I prefer for you to be older. I'm sorry, but I was going to feel bad and I prefer you to feel bad. <laughs> uh, we all look up. Yeah, but yeah. you know, like, okay. So like, okay. So I come first. What does that mean? It means that there are always an infinite number of things that I could do. Text messages to go to a movie from a friend. Mom about going with her to the furniture store. You know, uh, rebudgeting my checking account. It, you know, all, there's all these things. There's always a list. Always. The list is actually never done. And if you're like me, when you're writing your list and checking things off, you're adding to the list. So the list sometimes becomes larger by the time you know, by the time you get to the end of the uh, end of the day, I come first. It means if I want to go to yoga, if I want to spend two hours binge watching some Netflix, if I want to go on a long walk with my dog, that's the first thing on my list. Um, because it, it takes the resentment away from me executing the things that I think are priority, but, they, but may be administrative. So I don't resent tasks that I'm going after. Um, because I've given myself a little gift, for, a little gift first, and then the last is I. I then stack rank priority. Um, I will write, and I normally create three groups. I don't go one, two, three, four, five. Because if there's forty things on the list, and I'm thinking about the difference between checking my Capital One account and checking my Chase account, I don't want to sit there spending energy thinking which one's the most important. I group into three groups. And I just call them, you know, high, medium, low. And I make a commitment to myself that if I only get the highs done, that I will take the W, <laughs> right? That like, if only the highs are done, I'm, I won versus the entire list being done. Um, I love that. So, yeah, that's, that's I love that. Well, at, at the very heart of what we teach is the 80-20 principle or Pareto's principle. And we, we talk about it a lot on here, but it, it is fundamental to what we do, which is there are 20% items on your list that will deliver 80% of your results, right? So the, there's high ROI things that will give you the greatest return on on your time. And that is what you, I think you're calling out as your high priority. And I love that you you group them because if you have a lot, and this I think has application even in the on the business side too, because you, it's sometimes you can't really say, you know, between three and four, like which is, is a higher priority because they both need to get done or there's some dependency that, you know, it's like, hey, I ha- three has to happen before four, but four is technically more important. So this idea of grouping them together doesn't mean, you know, one needs to happen and the other doesn't. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes folks will get lost in the process and not in the value that the process is meant to create. Right. And so like, if you hear the advice that like, Hey, creating a list and prioritizing it is important. Someone will hear that advice and they'll spend two hours prioritizing the list. <laughs> and so like, no, no, that's not the intention. You, now you created the first item 
now on the list is like make my priority list, which is not supposed to be an activity long enough to go on the list. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I do think like keeping it simple and making that part seamless and, and rewarding yourself with the W is super important um, because the worst feeling is this like infinite list of things to do and never feeling like you've accomplished something. Um, and our brain will tell us that always. And what I found is if I try and retroactively say I create a list of 20 things and then I only get through 10, if I try and retroactively convince myself that 10 was enough and that's a win, I am unsuccessful. But if I beforehand say I only need to get through group A, which is seven items, and that would be a W, if I get through seven, less than 10, I am successful at convincing myself that that was a win because I defined the win beforehand. Mm. Mm. That's really, defining the win beforehand is really important. I mean, you have to, you have to see where you're going. And I think that's a lot of uh, what ends up being a lot of people's issues when they create these endless, endless like to-do lists, but they don't group them or they don't prioritize them or they don't find their own way to prioritizing it. They're just like mindlessly check marking versus saying, this is what success looks like if I was to do X, Y, and Z, um, which I think establishing that is very important. Also, can I just say that I call the W a walking my dog because I can't say walk out loud because he'll freak out. So when you say <laughs> getting the W, I'm immediately like, walk. You going for a walk? Walk. <laughs> right. Oh. right. So Ellen, you yourself. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's really about training me as the trainer says. We, yeah. we got to train ourselves, I think. But the, the, so there's a balance to to strike on, hey, don't lose sight of your your highest, you know, your high priority things, but score some wins too, right? Like don't, don't um, you know, view it like you can't lean into some of the easier tasks to get momentum or feel like, you know, you're psychologically bought into your day or you feel like you can look at other people's priorities as a priority. Um, so striking that balance between, you know, getting scoring some wins, but getting your your high ROI stuff done. Yeah. And, and, you know, if we take that and in, in contextualize it for business, I, I prioritize based on leverage. Um, so which of these 10 things will have compounding benefit? If Alan does this one thing, it unlocks this from someone else and then this from someone else and then this from someone else. And, um, and so I still, I, I still even like in like when operating Bambi, we prioritize really based on value defined in a very structured specific way. But there are tons of administrative things I have to do as part of this job, like writing a job description for a new executive or, you know, quickly checking a marketing budget to make sure that our efficiency targets came in where they were supposed to. Um, and those end up being my weekend set of activities. In those set of activities, like the administrative stuff, I, I operate based on leverage. So, um, yeah, what has compounding benefit to the rest of the organization if I do the thing? That is... It's I think very synonymous with what uh, with what we believe, and the twenty percent that will deliver the eighty percent of your results. So, I think we're speaking the same language. Let's talk about Bambi, yeah, because we've mentioned it, but really, give us the how, how did you end up going from ZipRecruiter to human resources, and give the listener a little like you know top level of what Bambi is and how it can help support their small businesses. 
Yeah, you, you know, the uh, it's funny. People ask me, people have asked me this a few times, which is like, Alan, did you, you know, you weren't running an HR company before, you're running a job board, you know, why, why the jump? And I, my response is going from ZipRecruiter to Bambi was the smallest career jump I've ever actually ever made. Um, you know, the, uh, going from a Starbucks barista to a product manager, probably a larger one. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I would that. say yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, going from a product manager with six months of experience to a head of product is probably a larger one. Um, and then going from product director of product to CEO was probably the largest and then going from CEO to CMO, having never held a marketing title before in my life, um, was also somewhere up there in the top two. The, the jump from, from ZipRecruiter to Bambi was actually a smaller one. And, um, and I'll tell you why. So uh, two, there are two anecdotes that are important to, to Bambi. And so let me just say what the business does so that people have the context and I can answer the question. Um, there were 5.6 million small businesses in the United States um, um, that populate about 50% of the American job market, right? So you've got kind of our Fortune 500s that populate, you know, really the other half, or maybe Fortune 5000 that populate the other half. And then you've got the kind of micro SMB, small mom and pops, tire shops, small marketing agencies, uh, you know, nail salons, uh, barber shops. Um, construction yards, and that they populate the other 50%. That's really half the American workforce, which is kind of crazy. Well, there were three things that made it very clear that Bambi should exist, and then here's what we do. One, the size of the market, 5.6 million companies. Two, that only 4% of those companies had an HR manager. 4%, 4%. That's, you know, you're talking half the American workforce without an HR person inside of those organizations. That is insanity. Even when I say it now, it is, it is still insane to me. And I've been running this company for six years. Right? Well, and and I, just, this- I can't imagine a small business owner starting to think about like compliance issues, right? Or like dealing with a human resources issue. On That's like... Uh, someone's wearing a lot of hats. Yeah, too, someone's right? wearing a lot of hats. <laughs> I mean, it, and, it, and to these small business owners, you know, it, it feels devastating to walk around your company knowing that you don't have the answer, knowing that you're not sure about how you set up the infrastructure of employment for people, um, knowing that you have no idea how to deal with some of the most complex scenarios that will come your way from the people that are meant to be on your own team. It is a um, almost difficult to articulate feeling of vulnerability uh, that we have discovered and tapped into and not the good kind of vulnerability, right? Um, The kind where you feel like your livelihood is almost always at risk um, with no idea of how you solve that. That is, uh, you know, so that's the, 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 that's the context. And so Bambi aims to solve that problem. We asked a very clear question, which is, hey, why does this problem exist? We found out the answer was price. Small business owners simply could not afford to hire an HR manager. So they did not. If you're running a, you know, um, a tire shop in, in Long Beach or in Milwaukee and you gross $45,000 a month in revenue, 
Um, you're not going to spend $7,000 of that gross income on an HR person. It, it doesn't make financial sense. And so we set out to make that totally different. And so we built a solution. So with Bambi, you can hire a dedicated HR manager for $99 a month. Um, that HR manager is assigned to your company. Um, they are there to help you with coaching, with guidance, with, com- with compliance. Um, we draft all of your policies from pay time off to time in attendance, to dress code, to everything that defines your culture and holds people accountable, including yourself as a small business owner. Um, our platform issues training so that your managers can take sexual harassment and anti-bias training. Um, our, uh, and we have a platform that's awesome, that's easy to use for you to give feedback to your teams and interact with your HR person. Bambi's HR managers really perform about 80% of the functions um, that an in-house HR manager would for a fraction of the cost. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Do, do you guys, the, the training piece, do you do uh, that internally? And do you house like an LMS on your, on your platform, a learning management system that, that has all those, uh, those trainings internal? Exactly. Yeah. So we have, um, we maybe has produced content or contracted content inside of our platform um, across 600 different training curriculums and programs that we map to your industry, to your location, and to your company size to make recommendations on which programs are best for your company, all housed within the platform, all ran digitally um, from, from your computer. Wow, Ellen, what about terminations? Because that's normally like a really heavy uh, heavy lift for a small business owner having to... Especially there's probably a, re- a decade-long relationship involved and family and things like that, I'd imagine. Man, you guys, this is such an insight. Like this, that, that little ping pong you did there was so insightful because it is how we started the company. So the initial goal of Bambi, well, the entry point we looked at and studied was how do we make terminations more graceful um, for small businesses? And so the initial research and the initial kind of product launch was really TurboTax for terminations, um, right? We, built a cool regulatory um we we built a cool user interface on top of a regulatory uh database that helped uh guide you on if you were doing the right things as you went to go terminate an employee and how you should have the conversation and what types of coaching conversations you should have to turn the person's performance around because maybe you don't even need to terminate them we spent six months building this awesome product Nobody wanted it. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wanted it. You know what they wanted? They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Bambi. Can I talk to an HR manager? Do you have any HR managers on staff? (laughs) 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 Well, I guess it... People in that space, probably more often than not, are just like, what is this platform concept? Give me a human being, right? Yeah. You know, what it... (laughs) It's hilarious, you know. I, it was beautiful. I spent so much time on this thing, and but the learning was really clear, which is that um, the anxiety around some of these decisions they're having is actually just too great to solve with software. Um, not software alone. You can augment it mm. with software, but but a human to human interaction was the best way to help give these folks the guidance they wanted to to help them make decisions. So that's a long way of saying, now on Bambi, we help you with terminations. 
We help you with first. We help you with coaching. First, we help you define the policy and the job description so the person has a high likelihood of being successful in the first place. Right? Like, hey, if you're a cashier, what's your actual job function? Because if you don't ring people up, but no one ever told you that your job was to ring people up, and then you get terminated, that kind of sucks for everybody. There's yeah. lost efficiency for the company, and there's lost momentum for you in your career. Right? So, how do we define the job upright? The second thing we do, we would help make sure your company, your business owner, your manager gives you the right coaching for you to be successful. And then say it doesn't work out. Say it's not going the right way. Business owners come to us and we will guide them through the termination every step of the way, including the documentation they need um, to do it in a way that is compliant and respectful to the employee. That's awesome. I mean, when you're dealing with human to human challenges, like having a human being there and you guys taking it from the front end and, and you know being proactive to create solutions on the front end and then helping them guide them through when and you have to take additional steps. That's very thoughtful and, and it's, it's pretty awesome. You know, we have uh, about 10,000 active subscribers. We have, we have customers in every single state, probably in every zip code by this point. Maybe there's more. Let me retract that last part. There might be 40,000 zip codes, which would immediately make my last statement a lie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have them cut that. 25% still great. Don't <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But, you know, we, got, we have customers everywhere and um, we're now the largest kind of HR manager provider in the country. Um, and more, you know, 300,000 employees have used Bambi as their primary HR manager. Um which is, which is insane. Can I tell you, Alan? So um, my partner is in... Uh, I always hate explaining this, but it's like... I only hate explaining it because I just don't understand it. So uh, he does unemployment verific... Uh, verification for employees and specifically unemployment verification. So his smaller company uh, was acquired by Experian a couple of months ago and he has since, you know, moved up. And I was like, yeah, we're, um, we get to interview the CEO from Bambi. And I'm not joking. He was like, Bambi, are you serious? Do you see what they're doing in the HR space? They're doing this, this, like he just started rattling stuff off. And I was like, Damn. Didn't he so, also ask you to ask him if there's a position yeah, available? He also wanted me to ask if you have a position available, but we'll do that at a different time. Well, two things. Thing one, you described what he did, um, and I immediately knew exactly what you were talking about. So at least one of us knows what he does. I think it's pretty um, clear. <laughs> I, I know. I, get, I really discount it highly, but... Um, and the second thing is, uh, it is nice to hear that mirrored back to us. I think the approach we try and take here is really innovative. And I, I know a lot of people throw that around, but, but I'll tell you what I mean by that. We, we, we've come into a space where we realize that HR is a lot of gray area. It's a lot of best practices. It's a lot of thinking about the most dignified way for humans to interact in the workplace. Right? That's really what HR is. It's not, it's not laws. It's about dignity. Um, and you can't reach those level of dignified moments without with just one side. You need both. And we've come into a market where small business owners are like, hey, Bambi, I don't know anything. I, I have no idea what to do. And that's cool for a company like ours because it's allowed us to define what good HR is. Right? Mm. Um, it has allowed us to say, okay, listen, if you don't know, we will tell you. 
And so when you join Bambi, there are six HR practices you must set up as part of your subscription. Um, you know, that's not, that's not normally how it goes. You know, you normally sign up for a payroll product and they help you process payroll. Uh, you normally sign up for a jobs platform. They help you post a job. Bambi literally changes the interworkings of your organization kind of step-by-step with your commitment and buy-in to create radical change inside of these organizations that otherwise would not exist without us. I, you know, the pursuit that I've been able to go after with this business um, is, I don't know, it's more fulfilling, I think, than even I thought in the short term. I thought it would be fulfilling, you know, towards the end, but the middle moment of where we are as a Series C kind of uh, later stage company is actually more fulfilling by orders of magnitude than I thought. Well, you're redefining something that has been occasionally scoffed at, that has been frowned upon, that employees... like I mean, I don't know how many times I've been like, I have to go to HR and I like roll my eyes. What are you doing? You're going to HR so much. Well, I... (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But... Well, you said the word grace and by redefining HR practices through this idea of grace and dignity, you're really changing the space. So innovation, like kudos for what you're doing because that's that is really transformative right now. Yeah, it's awesome. And I was going to ask you the, the question, you know, you have that historical stigma, you know, that can be associated with HR and and, and especially in a smaller business where they're like, oh, we don't need that or we don't want that. And it sounds like you guys are, are breaking that down and thinking about even expanding the scope of what HR can provide for an organization. Yeah, you know, th- thank you. It's funny. Um, you know who scoffs at HR? Um, people at Fortune 500 companies. You know who's starving? You know who's starving for HR? People that don't have an HR manager, right? And so you've got these two sides of the coin. We're on one side. We're probably, you know, in the, in the larger organizations, we're a little, we're a little HR'd out, right? And we're like, our cup runneth over yeah. in HR practices. Yeah. Um, but for a smaller business, you know, you've got employees who have never, you know, had a job description, who have never got a raise, who have never had a direct coaching conversation, um, you know, who have, uh, you know, and, and business owners who make mistakes hand over foot. So just to wrap it up in terms of what we do, not only do you get an HR manager, um, we also run your payroll. Um, we have a, something called guided payroll where we make sure, we make sure you don't make mistakes. Um, and and um, we're trying to, we're, you know, our mission is to restore the dignity in employment. And we think the way to do that is through the vehicle of HR at scale. Very cool. I love that. Yeah. Can I, I have one last question um, because I think our listeners would be really curious about it if if you've got an extra few seconds, Alan. Um you talked about moving from, you know, some of these massive career shifts from a barista to a product person to head of product. And I think a lot of people out there would hear that and be like, holy shit, that's scary. And you've managed to be a risk taker in your career in ways that have transcended. Do you have advice for other entrepreneurs or or even people who just are in their jobs right now who are scared to take that step? Um, I'd, I'd just be curious. Yeah. I mean, so much to say to that. You know, I think the, um, I'll say what comes to mind first, always bet on yourself, period, full stop. 
Um, we, you know, I, it, like that doesn't need to be unpacked. That doesn't need to be contextualized. That doesn't, that, you know, no nuance needs to be applied to that statement. Um, that statement, I believe, is true in its purity, right? Always bet on yourself. Um, and so what is that? No, no, those bets sometimes on, um, take on different forms. That bet doesn't always mean I'm going to quit my job and start an ice cream shop. You know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> You're like, you might be lactose intolerant. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's a bad idea. Maybe betting on yourself means um, I'm going to go for that promotion and I don't care if I've never been a manager before. Um, or I am going to ask if I can present this to the executive of my department or I'm going to stop the CEO um, next to the, you know, everyone always says water cooler. Like nobody has water coolers anymore. Like, I'm going to talk to the CEO next to the, uh, next to the cold brew tap. There it is. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm going to pitch him really quickly this idea that I had. And so I think the micro bets that you make lead to the macro bets. Um, the macro bets are very difficult if you haven't trained yourself to have the muscle memory to take the micro bets. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's super important. And, and that's, that's what I would say. Yeah, it's awesome. When, when you say micro and macro bets, that that's pretty cool. But do you see a parallel between a macro bet and in, like a vision for yourself and like a bigger goal? Yes. So the the uh, I think there was something. Was I supposed to bring the one thing to this to this <laughs> meeting? That's that's where we like to go at the end. Is, <laughs> yeah, is to ask you know if you would take uh, have our listeners take just one thing away from this podcast, what would it be? So, okay. So here's my, I'm going to answer both those questions in, in tandem, which is, are the, what's the one thing? And then is the macro bet, you know, are those, are, are the macro bets tied to the, the micro bets? My one thing is how to remain a tactician so that being a good tactician can lead to better business strategy, right? Tacticianary strategist, right? Being a tactician, being a strategist. People think those two things are different, are, are totally separate, right? Um, um, whenever I meet an executive from a um, large company who's interviewed for me either here or a doc stock or a zip recruiter, um, and I say, what are you good at? And they say, oh, you know, I'm good at strategy. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, 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 I don't need, I don't value and startups and hypergrowth company is my fourth hypergrowth business and to be at first a CEO. But like, you have to understand the nuances of how things are playing and interconnected inside of the business. And your ability to understand the nuances helps you craft the strategy. You can't just step back, right? And be like, oh, this looks like this. You have to know how it's working from the ground up. Right, the tactics guide the strategy, um, and and vice and vice versa, right? But both are really important. I call you know I call it being a full stack founder. Uh, mm -hmm. There are full stack engineers. Um, being a full stack founder means you can sit in a boardroom and talk at the exact right level of detail the board needs to understand where the company is going and where it's been. But you can also join a sprint planning meeting and go story by story to help the team think through how one item in the sprint will impact the company in ways 
that others may not. So the macro bet, same thing, strategy, macro, tactics, micro, they are interconnected and interwoven to, I think, creating really, really good operators, um, whether that be in business or in your personal lives. Love that. Yeah. Alan, thank you so much for coming. I, we could keep doing this conversation forever, but I know that we're out of time. So <laughs> we really appreciate you being here. It's such a great conversation. Thanks, Alan. This is awesome, man. Yeah, man. Oh, wait. Super fun. Before we go, if someone is yeah. interested in Bambi and getting their dedicated HR manager for $99 a month, where do they go? Go, go to Bambi.com right now to hire a dedicated HR manager. That's B-A-M-B-E-E or bam to the B-E-E.com <laughs> <laughs> and get your dedicated HR manager that. It's okay. also my voice on the radio. People complain they hate it, but it works. I bet it sticks. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's some sticky right there. <laughs> well, thank you so thank much, you Alan. We'll talk Great to you to soon. You, man. Thanks for listening to the One Thing Podcast. If you're a bold risk taker who wants to dream big and achieve a higher level of success in your life or business, visit theonething.com. There you'll find information on one-on-one coaching, our exclusive community membership program, and customized workshops that will help you get your team or organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. That's T-H-E, the number one, dot com to start living the life you've always dreamed of today. Be sure to follow the show to stay up to date on weekly episodes, guest interviews, and more. Plus, we would love to hear from you. Send us a voice note by going to speakpipe.com slash the one thing or email us at podcast at the one thing.com. We'll see you next week.